If you would, please turn in your Bibles to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians. <clears throat> 505 years ago, on October 31st, a little-known German monk named Martin Luther nailed a document to the Wittenberg church door. This document was called the 95 Theses and was Luther's objections to certain abuses and practices that were going on in the Catholic Church. Now, Luther wasn't originally trying to, to break away from the Catholic Church, and he didn't nail this document to this door as a kind of academic graffiti. The church door was often used as a bulletin board. And Luther was just wanting a discussion to start about how some of the Catholic Church's practices had become corrupt. Well, the discussion did start, and it spread all across Germany and all across Europe. Meanwhile, Martin Luther kept studying his Bible and began to see that the Catholic Church didn't just have a few abusive practices. He found that the Catholic Church messed up the very heart of Christianity. They messed up the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. Luther was studying the book of Romans and discovered that salvation couldn't be obtained by following certain ceremonies and couldn't be earned by your good works. Those who wanted the righteousness of God, those who wanted to be justified, who wanted to be declared righteous in God's sight so that they could go to heaven, those people could not get God's righteousness by being good enough. Luther discovered the only way for a person to get God's righteousness, the only way someone could be saved, was by putting their faith in Christ alone. This German monk had been striving, had been working so hard to be good enough to get righteous enough in order to earn his way into heaven. He used to confess his sins for hours every day to the priests. He used to fast for three days every week. He used to say dozens of prayers every day to God and to the saints. He used to rely on all the ceremonies, all the traditions of the church. And suddenly, he realized that the righteousness, the goodness that he needed in order to get into heaven... God would give him that righteousness if he put his faith in Jesus Christ alone. He didn't have to earn righteousness in order to get to God. He needed to have faith in Jesus who would freely give him God's righteousness. And this truth it transformed Martin Luther. And he became a bold proclaimer of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus. He not only continued to talk about some of the problems in the Catholic Church, but he also began to explain that the Bible, the Word of God, had more authority than the church, more authority than tradition, more authority than the Pope. And he began to teach that true salvation didn't come from following the Catholic Church, but came from following Christ. The Catholic Church taught that people were saved by faith plus works. 
According to Catholic doctrine, you had to follow certain ceremonies and do enough righteous deeds in order to earn your way to heaven. So as you can imagine, Luther got into a bit of trouble because of his beliefs. The emperor in charge of Germany called Luther's ideas injurious and heretical. The Catholic Cardinal Cajetan called Luther a deep-eyed German beast filled with strange speculations. And Pope Leo X called Luther a drunken monk, a child of the devil. People called for Luther to be arrested, for him to be kicked out of the church, and for him to be executed. But the more conflict there was, the more emboldened Luther became. In a letter to the Pope, Luther called the Catholic Church a lawless den of thieves, the most shameless of all brothels, the very kingdom of sin, death, and hell. Luther, Luther certainly had a way with words. And finally, in April of 1521, Luther was called to a special assembly where he was to appear before the Emperor Charles V, along with several hundred princes, bishops, dukes, and ambassadors. Luther was brought before the most powerful men in all of Germany, and then he was told to recant. He was told to admit that he had been wrong, and to publicly say that he no longer held to the ideas that he had preached. Well, Luther famously replied, unless I am convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or in councils alone, since it is well known that they have often erred and have contradicted themselves, I am bound to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything since it is neither safe nor wise to go against conscience. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Luther took a stand for the truth. Luther took a stand for the good news of Jesus Christ. Remarkably, Luther escaped execution and he continued to be the most important leader among those who were breaking away from the Catholic Church and were choosing to follow the Bible instead. This movement of people were called Protestants and their stand for the truth is what we now call the Reformation. This Protestant Reformation had a lot of different groups, a lot of different kinds of people in it, but they all shared two things in common. Number one, their commitment to the Bible as the final and the ultimate authority. And number two, their belief that people can only be justified, can only be saved by putting their faith in Jesus Christ alone. Now as a church that believes in justification by faith, we here at Temple Church should be incredibly thankful for the Protestant Reformation. Thankful that God used people like Martin Luther, John Calvin, Ulrich Zwingli, Martin Busser, William Tyndale, Lady Jane Grey, John Knox, and Queen Elizabeth to help proclaim and defend the good news of salvation through faith alone in Christ alone. But we should not believe 
in this good news just because these particular men or women taught this. We should not believe in this good news just because we're not part of the Catholic Church. We should only believe in this good news if we find it in our Bibles. The Bible is our ultimate authority. It is God speaking to us. And so all of our beliefs should be found in this holy book. So today, we're going to take a look at what the Bible says about the good news of Jesus. What God says about the gospel of faith alone in Christ alone. So if you would please look over in your Bibles to the book of Galatians. We're going to be jumping around a little little bit in this uh, short book. And as we move through it, we're going to be focusing on three things. Number one, the false gospel. Deceptive and distorted teaching had infected the church in Galatia. And we're going to look at that false gospel that was being taught. Number two, we're going to look at the true gospel. Truth is the best antidote to error. And so we're going to examine Paul's biblical solution to the problem of false teaching in the churches of Galatia. And number three, we're going to look at the importance. We're going to end by looking at why this teaching in the book of Galatians was so important 2,000 years ago and why it is vitally important for every single person in this room today. So let's pray and then we will jump into our study of Galatians. Lord God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for its authority and we thank you for its clarity. I ask that you would guide us today, that you would give us understanding as, you look at, as we look at your word, that you'd help us to see what you are saying to us. And I ask, Lord God, that we would respond properly to what you say to us today. We thank you, Lord God, for our Bibles, that we have your word in a language that we can understand. We thank you for your son and what he's accomplished for us. And in his name we pray. Amen. So we begin with number one, the false gospel. The false gospel. Paul was writing this letter to the Galatians for a particular reason. There had emerged a very serious problem among the churches of Galatia. Some false teachers had arrived who had begun to teach the Galatians deadly errors. Now, Paul begins his letter to the Galatians on a Christ-centered, encouraging note. He says in Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, Paul, an apostle not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul introduces himself, and then he names the churches he is sending this letter to, and he also gives a a short description of the good news of Jesus. He said in verses 2, excuse me, verses 3 and 4, that the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil. And in verse 1, he talks about how God had raised this Jesus from the dead. So we get the basics of the gospel message. 
Jesus is the Lord Christ, which means He is the Messiah, the promised Savior King that all the Old Testament Scriptures pointed to. And Jesus died for our sins to deliver us, to save us, and He rose from the dead. Now, after Paul's initial greeting in his letters, Paul would normally give thanks to, to God for the Christians he's writing to, but he does not do that in this letter. Paul barely gets this greeting out of his mouth before he immediately starts addressing this massive problem that was going on in the churches of Galatia. He says in chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, I am astonished. That you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and, do, and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Paul was astonished. He was utterly shocked at what was going on. The problem in the churches of Galatia was that they were in the process of abandoning the gospel. They were starting to turn to a false gospel, a fake gospel, because some teachers were distorting the news about Jesus. Paul makes it very clear in these verses that there was really only one true gospel. There was only one true message of the good news of Jesus, and the gospel that the Galatians were turning to was not the correct one. According to verse 7, these false teachers were trying to distort the gospel of Christ. They were attempting to alter, to pervert the good news. They were trying to twist the gospel about Jesus. Now, if you look throughout the book of Galatians, you might start to get a little confused at first, as the false teachers were not rejecting who Jesus was. They believed He was the Messiah. They believed He was the promised Savior King. Also, the false teachers were not going against the truth that Jesus died for our sins or that Jesus rose from the dead. They believed all of that. They even believed that you needed to have faith in order to get saved. So you might ask, what was wrong with this gospel these teachers were proclaiming? Why is Paul so upset? It has to do with a small word, alone. As we're going to see, the false teachers who were troubling and confusing the Galatians were telling the Galatian Christians that in order to be saved, they needed to have faith in Jesus plus obey the works of the law. They were teaching faith plus works equals salvation. They were denying a faith alone way of salvation. They were teaching that it wasn't enough to just have faith in Jesus. They had to obey the Old Testament law. To see this, if you would, please turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, we see Paul get incredibly upset and then ask a, a flurry of questions to the Galatian believers. He says, starting in verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you 
It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Paul asks all of these questions to wake the Galatians up. Since Paul was assuming the Galatians were true Christians, that they had truly been saved, he then also could assume that they had received the Holy Spirit. So he asked them, when they originally received the Holy Spirit, did did they get the Spirit by works of the law or through faith? The implied answer, of course, was by faith. The Spirit had been given to them when they placed their faith in Jesus. They had not gained the Spirit by works. So he asked them, if you got saved and received the Holy Spirit through faith at the beginning, are you now trying to become perfect by the flesh, by works? Paul is trying to explain to them that if you originally saved and changed by the Spirit, then you will continue to be saved and changed by faith. You don't get saved and changed by relying on yourself. You get saved and changed by putting your faith in God and relying on the Holy Spirit. In verses 5 through 6, Paul asked them whether the Spirit God had provided them and the miracles that occurred among them happened because they had done works of the law or because they had faith. Paul gives them the right answer by quoting Genesis 15, 6, which talks about how God gave Abraham righteousness because of Abraham's belief, his faith. All of these questions were meant to show the Galatians They were starting to put their hope in something that wasn't true. They were starting to put their hope in themselves. They were starting to think they could only get God's righteousness. That they could only get God's salvation and be changed by God by doing the works of the law. The problem with the Galatians was they were starting to deny salvation by faith alone. To put all this in modern terms, the Galatians were basically thinking that the way for you to get saved was for you to put faith in Jesus and go to church every week and read your Bible and show love to others and get baptized and partake in the Lord's Supper and don't do any really big sins. If you do all of that, then you'll get saved. But that was and is a false gospel. Although all those things I just mentioned are good things to do, and believers should do them, those are not what gets a person saved. We don't get saved by trusting in our own good works. So Paul corrects this error by explaining the good news that actually does save. Which brings us to our next point, number two, the true gospel. The true gospel. 
The Galatian churches needed to turn back to the true gospel that they had originally received from Paul. They needed to reject this faith plus works teaching and go back to their faith in Jesus alone for salvation. And so if you would, please turn with me over to Galatians chapter 2, verses 16. What Paul says here is perhaps the clearest teaching in the entire Bible that the truth of the truth that we're saved by faith alone. Galatians chapter 2 verse 16 says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. That word justified means to be declared righteous. It's a legal term that we would use in the court of law. If Arlen was accused of stealing Rod's tractor, Arlen would be brought into court and the judge would either pronounce Arlen guilty or innocent. He would say Arlen is unrighteous or righteous. He would justify Arlen or he would condemn him. Well, everyone in this world has done things that are much worse than steal a tractor. According to the Bible, everyone on earth has sinned against the eternal king, has disobeyed the creator. There's no one who is righteous. Every single person in this room deserves to be condemned, deserves to go to hell right now. The only way to be saved and get to heaven is if we are justified by God. We need God to declare us righteous. But the problem is, no one here has righteousness enough to get into heaven. When the judge looks at us, he's going to find nothing but guilt and unrighteousness in us. So Galatians 2.16 is saying that you can't get declared righteous. You can't get justified by doing works of the law. You can't do enough good works to get yourself into heaven. Your sins cannot be covered up by doing enough good things. No amount of law-keeping is going to get you justified before God. The beginning of verse 16 says that we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. And the end of verse 16 says, not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. This verse makes it crystal clear that following the law does not in any way contribute to your salvation. There is only one way to be justified. There's only one way for you to get declared righteous. And that is through faith in Jesus. Verse 16 says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ. The way you get cleared of all your charges, the way you get clean, the way you get justified is by putting your faith in Christ. When Jesus Christ 
God in human flesh came to this earth. He died upon a cross. And He took upon Himself the sins of every person who would ever believe in Him. And He paid their penalty. He died in their place. We saw this in the first couple of verses of Galatians. And when someone puts their faith in Jesus, when they stop trusting in themselves, when they stop relying on their own goodness, and instead start trusting in Jesus, God declares them righteous. Because Jesus has taken away their sins, has taken away their punishment, and has given them His righteousness. Let me say that again. God declares them righteous because Jesus has taken away their sins, has taken away their punishment, and has given them His righteousness. So when people who have put their faith in Jesus stand before the judge of heaven, they are declared righteous because Jesus has dealt with their sins. Getting justified. Getting declared righteous so that we can be eternally saved is not something that we can do ourselves. It's not about something we can accomplish. It's about receiving something that Jesus has accomplished. Receiving something that Jesus has done. It's about trusting in the Lord Jesus Relying on Him as our Savior. Putting our faith in who He is and what He did. Getting justified. Getting saved. Is about putting our faith in Jesus alone. Jesus' point in this verse is quite clear. Justification does not come through faith plus works. We are justified by faith alone. And this wonderful truth was not just the case in the New Testament. Paul makes it clear throughout the book of Galatians that salvation by faith alone has always been the way that believers have been justified and saved. Paul uses the Old Testament to show that justification by faith alone was the way of salvation even before Jesus walked the earth. Look with me, if you would, at Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. Galatians 3, verses 6 through 9 says, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Paul quotes from Genesis 15, verse 6, and shows that Abraham himself was justified because he had faith in God, faith in God's promises. The true spiritual descendants of Abraham are those who have faith in Christ and not in their own good works. Before moving to to Kansas, Catherine and I lived in a college town in, in Ohio, and we'd often go to one of the main street corners in the town and evangelize different college students who'd, who'd walk by. And we would often ask the students if they thought that they 
deserved to go to heaven, if they had done enough good to get into heaven, and almost every time, without fail, almost every single person said, yes. They believed that they were basically good people who had done enough good things to earn their way into paradise. But the Bible says that's a false gospel. If you think you deserve to go to heaven, if you rely on yourself and on your own good deeds, you will not get to heaven. You will be doomed forever in hell. The scriptures are clear that the way we get saved is not to trust in what we have done, but to trust solely in what Christ has done. Salvation is through faith alone. When I was in college, my my Christian roommates and I invited Mormon missionaries often into our, our apartment to talk with them. And on one occasion, we had three Mormon gals trying to convince us to change our religion and believe in their way of getting saved. Well, my roommate and I eventually ended up talking with them about the book of Galatians and how you you had to have faith in Jesus alone to be saved. We went over to Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 and told them that you can't be justified by works, only through faith. And out of all the things that we talked about in our discussions, the doctrine of justification by faith alone was the one that brought the most forceful disagreement. This is because Mormons, like Catholics, believe that Jesus died for our sins, believe that Jesus rose from the dead, believe that we need to have faith in Jesus, but they also believe that we must be good enough in order to be saved. They rely partially on Christ and partially on themselves. They have a religion of faith plus works. You know, there's really only two religious systems in this entire world. The religion of human achievement and the religion of divine accomplishment. The religion of human achievement says that you must do something in order to earn your way into paradise. You must do enough good works to merit your salvation. Your good deeds are somehow, in some small way, part of the reason why you get into heaven. But the religion of divine accomplishment says that God has done it all in Christ. He accomplished salvation. We contribute absolutely nothing. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection dealt with sin, and we can have salvation by putting our faith solely in who Jesus is and what he has done. Those two very different religious systems are massively different ways of going to heaven. And this shows us how vitally important believing the true gospel is. Which leads us to our last point, number three, the importance. The importance. If you read through the book of Galatians, you will find that Paul was really upset in this letter. In fact, I would say this is Paul's angriest letter that he wrote. 
Paul had taught these people the one true gospel of salvation, and false teachers were trying to convince them to walk away from that true gospel. Paul desperately wanted these Galatians that he had invested himself in to reject what these false teachers were saying. It was vitally important for them to reject it because the false gospel of faith plus works leads people straight to hell. Those who believe that they can be justified by works of the law will not be saved by Christ. If you would, please look with me at Galatians chapter 5. Verse 4. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 4, Paul says to the Galatians, he says, You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. If the Galatians continued to follow the false teacher's gospel, they would end up completely severed, completely separated from Christ. Those who attempt to get themselves declared righteous by the law will end up cut off from the Savior. A faith plus works gospel does not save. It leads you away from the grace of God. Those who in any way rely on themselves for salvation will not receive salvation. This is why the doctrine of justification by faith alone is so vitally important. If your view on the charismatic spiritual gifts is wrong, you can still be saved. If you misunderstand church government, you can still see Jesus someday. If your end times views on the millennium or the tribulation are off, you can still go to heaven. But if you don't believe in justification by faith alone, then according to the Bible, you will be eternally separated from Christ. You will receive no grace as you pay the penalty for your sins forever in hell. That is the destination for all of those who follow this false gospel, and that is the destination for those who continually teach this false gospel. Back in Galatians chapter 1, Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Paul tells the Galatians, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. The word accursed means to be eternally condemned or forever cursed. It means to be eternally damned in hell. The unrepentant preachers who were teaching a false gospel that was different from the true gospel that Jesus had given Paul, those false preachers were going to be eternally punished for their sins if they did not repent. Those who believe a false gospel and those who continually teach a false gospel will be condemned forever. They will die eternally. 
God will lock them in hell. And according to Scripture, He will throw away that key. Do you remember those Mormon missionary girls that I was, was talking about earlier? During one of our talks with them, my roommate and I noticed the difference in how we were acting and how we were talking versus how they were acting and talking about this subject. We noticed how incredibly serious we were and how nonchalant and unconcerned they were. And at one point in the discussion, I asked them where they thought Christians would go if we did not believe in Mormonism, if we didn't become Mormons. And they said that we would just go to a a lower level of heaven. Then I read to them from Galatians chapter 1, and I said, the reason my friend and I are so serious right now is because we believe that if you don't stop teaching your false gospel, if you don't stop putting your trust in your own good works, then you will be eternally damned in hell. Folks, what we believe about the gospel is vitally important. Which is why religions like Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses and Catholicism are some of Satan's worst weapons against humanity. Because those religions get a lot of things right, but they get the gospel wrong. They have a high regard for the Bible. They believe in Jesus' life, teaching, and miracles. They believe in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But they all reject. They all reject salvation by faith alone. And because of this, anyone who continues to follow these religious systems is going to be condemned. Now, I know that Christians, we can usually accept the fact that Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses are, are not true Christians because they've always, we've always viewed them as, as cults. But it can be really hard to accept that over a billion Catholics across the globe have rejected the true gospel. So I want to read to you from some quotes from the Catholic Church. These are from the Catechism of the Catholic Church and the Council of Trent both of which are official documents of the Catholic Church. The Pope and all the bishops across the globe accept these writings as the infallible teachings of their church. If someone is a good Catholic and they truly follow the Catholic Church, this is what they must believe. First, the Catholic Church wrongly believes that water baptism is necessary for salvation. The Catholic Catechism reads... Baptism is the first and chief sacrament of forgiveness of sins because it unites us with Christ. It continues, baptism is necessary for salvation for those who have not yet been reborn. And finally, it says, through baptism, we are freed from sin and reborn as sons of God. We become members of Christ, are incorporated into the church and made sharers in her mission. Secondly, the Catholic Church wrongly believes that if a Catholic dies who has not yet been perfectly purified in their life, which is pretty much all Catholics, they must go to purgatory after death in order to have their sins purged, in order to suffer for their sins to get their sins purged away. The Catholic Catechism reads, 
After death, believers undergo purification so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. Thirdly, the Catholic Church strongly believes that they must follow God's commandments in order to get into heaven. The Catechism reads, Men may attain salvation through faith, baptism, and the observance of the commands. And fourthly, the Catholic Church believes that those who put their faith, who put their trust in Christ alone for their salvation, will be accursed. In other words, if you believe in justification by faith alone, then the Catholic Church officially believes that you will be accursed, condemned. The Council of Trent declared, If anyone says that the faith which justifies is nothing else but trust in the divine mercy which pardons sins because of Christ, or that is that trust alone by which we are justified, let him be anathema. Anathema means let him be eternally condemned. Again, the Council of Trent says, If anyone says that the sinner is justified by faith alone, Let him be anathema. The Catholic Church officially condemns the true gospel of salvation through faith alone. The Catholic Church, just like the false teachers talked about in Galatians, teach a gospel of faith plus works equals salvation. This is what Martin Luther And all those other Protestants during the Reformation protested against. They followed the Bible and fought against the false gospel of the Catholic Church. They believed the truth, they taught the truth, and they were willing to suffer for the truth. But the question that all of us need to ask ourselves today is, do you believe this truth? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone? Are you solely trusting in what He did? Or are you trusting in yourself? Do you think that you can perform some ceremony or or do enough good deeds in order to earn your way to God? Friends, according to the Bible, justification is by faith alone. If you do believe this gospel, are you teaching others? Are you willing to open your mouth and tell people this truth? Are you willing to tell Catholics, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and anyone else in your life that they are trusting in a false religious system and the only way they can be saved is by turning to Jesus Christ and trusting in Him alone? There are literally billions of people across this planet who believe, like the Catholics, that they can get into some kind of paradise, some kind of heaven, by being good enough. Are you willing to tell them that they're not good enough and they'll never be good enough? Are you willing to tell them that they're on the road to hell unless they turn to Jesus as their only Savior? Do you love those people enough to tell them the truth? The Bible is clear. 
that we are saved through faith alone, in Christ alone. Do you believe that? And are you willing to proclaim it? Lord God, we do thank you for this amazing truth. This truth that can bring us such joy and assurance. The truth that we don't need to rely on ourselves. That we don't need to work our way to you. That we will never be good enough. The truth that we can be saved not because of what we can do, but because of what Christ has done. I ask, Lord God, that if there's anyone here today who has not yet put their faith in Jesus, if there's anyone here today who has been putting their trust in their own goodness, who has thought that they deserve to go to heaven, who is relying on themselves, I ask that you would change their heart, that you would give them faith, that they would look to you and that they would look to your Son for salvation, that they would depend on Christ Jesus and on Christ Jesus alone. And Lord God, for those of us here who, who do trust in Jesus, I would ask that we would open our mouths, that we would not keep silent, that we would remember that we have the best news in the universe, the greatest news, the most important thing that has ever happened in the universe and throughout all of human history. We have the news that there is a Savior. We have the news that He is willing to save wicked sinners like us. We have the news that He is willing to save us not because of what we can do, but He is willing to save us because of what Jesus has accomplished and that if people are willing to humble themselves, admit their sins, and put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone, that you will save them and transform them. We thank you so much for that great and glorious news. And I ask that you would help us to remember that as we move throughout the rest of our week. In your son's name we pray. Amen.